What is God's will for my life? I think this is like a question that any human person who believes in God or, or believes that you know something higher than themselves exists kind of asks at one point, like, like, what does God want from me? What does God want to do with me? Why am I here? Right? Like, these are all questions that you and I ask maybe on a daily basis. And I think one of the interesting things, especially about your age, middle, middle school, high school, is it seems like that is the time where that question starts to come up more often in our life, right? So like, and what I, what I mean by that is, like, you probably were not wondering what God's will for your life was when you were younger, right? You're, you guys are now at the age where you're starting to think about things a little bit differently. And so God's will for your life and what God wants from you and, and, and like what this whole thing is with church and Christianity and following Jesus, like now is a time where your curiosity for those things is probably peaked higher than it ever has been in your life. You're probably asking questions about the Bible or about God. Like, is this stuff real? Is it, is it fake? Is it, you know, is, is, this, is this something I really believe or whatever? And um, to be honest, like those are some of the most exciting times in somebody's life. Because here's the thing, and I, and I want you guys to hear this clearly. I, I think a lot of us, when we open up our Bibles, we, we read past really hard things. And what I mean is this. There it is. I don't have long beard hair, so I know it's not picking that up. Oh, yeah, my phone's in my back pocket. Is that? Here. Thanks. Don't steal it. I like that phone. Um, I, okay, good. Um, so, I want, I want you guys to hear, like, we read past weird things in the Bible all the time, and, and, like, we've kind of, like, conditioned ourselves to not ask questions of those strange and weird things. So here's an example. Page one of the Bible, all right? We're, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to page one of the Bible real quick, okay? It's actually not page one of my Bible. It's, like, page 37. No, I'm just kidding. But page one of the Bible, Genesis 1, first words say what? What are the first words of the Bible? Does anybody know? In the beginning. Now that's really strange. Those are strange words. They really are. And here's why they're strange words. Because in the beginning is something that you or I have absolutely no idea about. We weren't there. We didn't experience it. We didn't see it. We didn't see God create the heavens and the earth. We didn't see it. And so, like, in the beginning kind of interesting way to start a story, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's strange, right? Because many of us have, have maybe been taught or learned that many people in the world believe that the world is just kind of a product of like a giant accident that happened, right? And so in our world, in our culture, in the beginning, God created is like, that's really strange. It's weird. But let's keep reading. So seven days, there's this creation kind of story that unfolds over seven days. On the seventh day, God rests. But then you get to page three in the Bible. Page three in the Bible gets even more strange because along comes a talking snake. What? A talking snake. Let me ask you something. Has anybody in here, you don't need to raise your hand. This isn't one of those questions. It's just something for you to think about. Has anybody thought that the talking snake in Genesis 3 that's like talking to the, the woman, Eve, does anybody think that's weird? Like, it's strange. It's weird. But like we, because something is in the Bible, we just kind of like read past it. 
and, and we don't question it. We don't wrestle with it, right? One of, the, one of the most weird things for me about page three of the Bible wasn't necessarily that there was a talking snake, but that the woman that the snake talk, was talking to seemed to be okay that there was a talking snake. Like, like the snake just kind of slithers up and talks to her. It's like, what the heck is going on here? And um, so like, like that is something that I've like questioned and wrestled in my life. And I've learned a ton wrestling with that um, portion of the Bible and learned, learned a lot about um, what that passage is actually saying about like the spiritual realm and what the condition of the world was like before sin entered into the world. And um, it's, it's just an interesting passage in the Bible, but we read past it. And we're not in Genesis 3 tonight, but I, I wanted to bring that to your attention because I think many of us, when we, when we get into the Bible, when we open it up, we don't ask it questions. We don't ask it questions. We don't wrestle with the difficult things that the Bible has to say. We just kind of read past them. We, if it's like, oh, you know, I don't understand. Well, it's bigger than me. It's written by God, whatever. And we just kind of move on. And I, I just want you to know some of the most exponential periods in your life where there's, where there's exponential growth. And what I mean by exponential growth is like higher growth than normal, right? Growth that is happening quickly are when you start asking the Bible difficult questions and asking other believers who you know and trust and maybe who have been following Jesus a little bit longer than you who can kind of help you navigate those questions to, to, to walk out those questions with others. And so ask the Bible difficult questions. Tonight, the Bible's going to actually answer one of those difficult questions. What is God's will for my life? Right, like don't you think, like if you think about your existence on this planet for just like two seconds, you have to think like, we were, we were made for something greater than just, like, chilling and coasting through my days at school. Like, like I'm made for something greater. There's, there's got to be a greater purpose in my presence here at school than what I'm actually doing. And that presence has to be greater than, like, getting good grades to get a good job so that I can provide for a family someday because that, that's, just not, that's just not high enough of a purpose. And we, we all kind of have this sense in us, maybe, maybe while we're working, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What's going on? Right? Many of you guys don't like school because you're like, why am I here? There's no point. I don't like it. I'm not going to learn about, I'm not going to worry about a hypotenuse when I'm in my job later. Like, who cares about a hypotenuse? Right? Like, we, 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 we typically approach our days and, and filter the things in our life that are valuable by whether or not they carry purpose. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the Bible says there's lots and lots and lots of purpose for your life. And that God has designed you and wired you for a reason. He's designed and wired you for a reason. And that reason is something called holiness. Everybody say holiness. 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 Now what comes to mind for you when you think holiness? What do you think of? Holiness. God? Okay. Sure. I'll take it. Somebody said Jesus. That's Sunday school answer number two. I like it. Back there, Ben. Holiness. Huh? Pure. Pure. I like that. That's a good answer. Pure. Julia? Heaven. heaven. Okay. So we heaven, pure, God, Jesus. What else you guys think of? I know you guys have thoughts with holiness. You guys are smart. What else comes to mind when you think of holiness? <laughs> Set apart. Set apart? Okay. What do you mean by that? I don't know. Kate said it. Oh, Kate, what do you mean by set apart? The definition of holy, okay, but so like what does it mean to be set apart? From others. From others, set apart from others. God is set apart from us. Okay, yeah. So different, 
right? Like God's different. Is that kind of what you mean? Okay. Clean. Clean. Yeah, that's good. Holiness. Now let me ask you something. Is holiness something that you think about when you wake up in the morning? Like when you roll up out of your bed and you like check your phone because that's like what like 90% of the mo- most people in the world do within the like no. first like two minutes of their day to check their phone? Yeah? Do you guys think about that? Do you think about holiness when you wake up in the morning? Probably not, right? Like it's not something that like crosses my brain all the time. But the Bible actually says that your purpose, your entire life, right? Your entire life is about growing in holiness. It's about being more holy, becoming more like Jesus. And that's what God wants to do for you. But the, but the, but the reality is like holiness for us, like the truth of the matter is that holiness seems like the last thing we really want to do with our lives, right? Like holiness is not high up on our priority schedule when we think of life. And God's greatest desire for you, his greatest desire for you, is to make you holy. It's to make you more like Jesus. And he sent his son into the world so that that could be made possible. You see, back on Genesis 1, page 1 of the Bible, God makes people. And those people were created in his image. God literally made things, people, to symbolize and depict him and represent him in the world. So God made people who were his image bearers. They bore his image. They embodied his image. And they were designed and wired as his image bearers to reflect him and represent him in all of creation. And their job was simple. They were to spread throughout the earth and they were to carry God's reign into and represent him in all of the earth. And then you fast forward and Genesis 3 happens. They, they break that mission. They, they, they go off. They decide that rather than following God, they wanted to define what was good and what was evil for themselves. They wanted to determine what was good and right and just. And they wanted to determine what evil was and define what evil was. And so these, these, these human beings then d- decided to do that and they rebelled against God. And ever since then, God has been playing out in the entire human history so that he could make his people holy, so that he could bring his people back into that unity with him. Because what happens is, I see you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I just want you to know I see you. I love you, but I see you. Um, eyes up here. Eyes up here. Good. It's okay. I know Duke looks good, but he doesn't look that good. It's okay. Um, it's okay. I still love you, man. So, um, so we were designed, page, page one of the Bible, we were designed to be unified, completely unified and together with God. And we, we, we broke that. We separated from that. And being holy is not just being set apart, but it's being brought back into that union with God. And because we have that union, that togetherness with God again, we can then become like him in holiness. If you think of holiness like the sun, the closer we get to God, the more radiant holiness that we receive from him. The more near we are to God, his holiness radiates onto us through Jesus, and we receive that holiness. His greatest desire for your life is to be holy. Now, I'm going to prove it to you, right? Because I don't want you to take my words for it. I want you to see what the Bible has to say about holiness. Verse 23 in chapter 5, it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you 
completely. If you're like a person who likes to write in your Bible or make highlights or whatever, you can, you can highlight, you can underline, you can circle, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. This is God's will for your life. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. Sanctify you completely. God wants to sanctify you, to make you more holy. And not just to do it kind of like haphazardly, but to do it completely. And then there's a promise tacked on the end of those verses that say, he is faithful, he will do it. And so your holiness, even though you have a a part to play in it, here's the interesting thing. If you're a Christian, and I'm not just talking about like you just play Christian on on, on Sundays or or Wednesday nights or, or whatever when you're around other Christians. I mean like genuinely a Christian. Like you're following Jesus when nobody else is looking. If that's true for you, the only reason why you even want that is because God has given you something called the Holy Spirit. And you have this spirit that's literally transforming your heart. It's transforming your desires. It's changing what you want. Paul describes it in a very interesting way. He, he describes the work of the Spirit in his life as making him want the things he used to hate and hate the things that he used to want. He's talking about his love for sin is dying. His love for Christ is growing. And so what he used to love, his sin, he's beginning to hate. And what he used to hate, Jesus, he's beginning to love. And so the Holy Spirit is, Paul's not changing his own desires. Paul's not changing his own heart. He didn't just like wake up one day and like, ah, I'm going to follow Jesus and quit doing bad. Like that's not how it works. Literally the Holy Spirit of the creator of the universe came into Paul and took Paul over. That's why, that's why Paul says over and over that he is in Christ. The Spirit has taken him over. He is united to, he's in, he's connected to Jesus Christ through the gospel, through the good news. By faith, he's connected to Jesus. And his love for sin is dying. And so now God wants to make his people holy. So what, what does it mean to be holy? Well, holiness is it's peace with God. The God of peace sanctify you completely. Now here's the thing. We think of peace as like, peace is like when like Hannah and I have peace when we're not fighting, right? So it's like the absence of conflict. That's typically how we think of peace. But that's not what it's talking about here. Peace literally means for everything to be like God originally designed it. When God created everything, he declared it to be good. That goodness that God declared creation before sin entered the world, that's peace. It's harmony. And that harmony is something that God is creating in us when he gives us his Holy Spirit. There's no turmoil. We're at peace. We have peace not just with God, but we we begin to become at peace even with our, with our mistakes or our past or maybe the things that we've regretted, there's a peace that comes over us as it relates to our past. Not because it's okay now, but because we understand and realize that those are sins and we're turning away from those. We're, that's no longer who we are. We've become a new creation in Jesus. we become a new person. And so peace isn't just like, it's not the absence of conflict. It's living in the way that God has intended us to live. But holiness isn't just peace with God. It's, it's life in God. It's life in God. It's being united to God 
being brought near to him, right? Like, like we talked about earlier, this idea of oneness. We're brought together with the Father. We're in unity with the Father. We're brought near to him. But then we're, we're not just united to God. We're conformed. We're, we're made like Jesus. We become like Jesus. So we're brought near and we become like. Holiness is life in God. But holiness is also dependence on God. Let me ask you this. Is there anything in your life that you depend on? Yeah? I see somebody nodding your head. What's up? Water. water. You need water, right? Like, I have a water bottle up here. One, because my throat is itchy right now, but two, because I'm thirsty. Yes. Oxygen. Yes, we need air. We need that er, and we need that water. You depend on Jimmy John's. Like, you depend on, like, if you don't have Jimmy John's, you're going to die. Beach Club. What's your favorite sandwich at Jimmy John's? The Slim. Oh, that's boring. No stuff. You just make a sandwich at home, though. The bread. Have you have you tried the new wheat sub at Jimmy John's? No. Mm, the wheat sub is awesome. The wheat sub is really good. Anyway, shh. What do you depend on? Okay, yeah, you depend on them. Like friends, friends, are, friends can be dependable. I understand that. Brynn? Trees? Yeah, why? Why? Photosynthesis. Yes, photosynthesis. I know what photosynthesis is. Yeah, what's up? Ben? Shh, everybody be quiet. Hey, y'all. Your house? Yeah, you depend on your home, shelter, right? Especially like when it's stormy outside. It's so, I love the image of, it being absolutely crazy outside, like during the blizzard a couple weeks ago, and me like just sitting in my house peacefully drinking a cup of coffee. Like there's something really sweet about that. That's like such a sweet picture of what it means to be like, like life in God. Like life is crazy, and I'm just like drinking some coffee. Anyway, Lonnie. Medicine. Yeah, we, we depend on medicine. There are lots of things in this life that we depend on. Eliza. God, yes. And we're going there. What's up? It's like you're in church. You can answer God for like anything. It's going to be right, right? Um, so, yeah, so we, well, here's the thing. Holiness is depending on God. I want you to hear that. Holiness is depending on God with every waking breath of your existence and my existence. It's depending on God. Oh, I almost burped. That was gross. Um, it's depending... It's depending on God. It's depending on God at school. It's depending on God in your friendships. It's depending on God at home. It's depending on God while you're eating. It's depending on God while you're sleeping, as much as that might sound weird because you're not really conscious, but you're depending on him. Like, holiness is depending on God. Holiness is peace with God. Holiness is life in God. Holiness is is why we read the Bible. We read the Bible because as we read the scriptures, as we immerse ourselves in the, the word of God that stirs up and arouses our faith, as we soak and sit in the Bible, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit stirs up in us holiness. The Holy Spirit stirs up in us a desire to continue to follow God. Prayer does that. Prayer is this opportunity to confess our need for God, our dependence on God. Right? We talked about this all like last spring. We talked about the spiritual disciplines. 
right? We talked about evangelism and sharing the gospel. We talked about gathering together for like worship. We, got, we talked about worship, not just gathering together, but worship as a way of life. We talked about community, right? Like being involved in relationships with other believers and growing together in your faith. Not just getting together and talking about Fortnite or sports or homework, but getting together and talking about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in your life and what you're reading and, and what God is up to in your heart, right? We, we talked about Bible reading. We talked about prayer. We talked about fasting. We talked about all of these things that, that God uses to grow us in godliness, to make us more like Jesus. But here's what I want you to hear about holiness. If you're a believer, you can't stop holiness. You can't stop holiness. You see, the Holy Spirit of God at work in you, Christian, is too powerful for you to ignore. Mac, what are you doing? Okay, cool. I just saw you like going crazy on your, your thing. I just want to make sure you were, you were with me. Um, you cannot stop holiness. Think about this. If I got a Lamborghini, okay, and... I put a rock on the gas, and I put that thing, it was it just it in drive and gone, okay? Are you going to be able to stand in front of that thing and stop it? No. Why? Because the Lamborghini is much more powerful than you are, right? Like, let's, let's just be honest. That thing is moving quickly, right? You can't stop it. You can't just get in front of it and, like, be like, and it's going to stop. Like, you're going to be dead. That's what's going to happen. So, but here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. I think a lot of us, we treat God not like he's powerful, like he really is, but we treat God like he, he, it's, he's this weak influence on our life that we can just kind of grab whenever we want to have access to him. And here's the thing. This is how you can tell a, like a real Christian between a, 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 a Christian who's just kind of faking it. A genuine believer is going to enjoy, not initially, but they're going to enjoy and see the value of the pain of having their sin brought into the light, of having their junk brought into the light, by having God expose the areas of their hearts that are far from God. And they're not going to enjoy it in the moment, right? That's painful. It really is. It's painful. But in the long term, the real believer wants that more than anything because they know that means being closer to their Savior. We can't stop the Spirit. The force of the Spirit working at, 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 in the life of a believer cannot be suppressed. We can try to suppress the Spirit. And there might be a period of our life where we're, we're kind of holding the Spirit at arm's length, right? Like that, That's a thing. That's why in this passage... You see Paul say in verse 19, he says, don't stifle the Spirit. In verse 19 of this passage, some, some translations say don't quench the Spirit. That's this trying to resist or suppress the Spirit's work in your life. Paul says don't do that because we can try to do that. Like we can ignore the Spirit of God working in our hearts. We can. But if we're genuinely in Jesus, at some point the Spirit's going to win. And so what I want to call you to tonight is to stop fighting. 
Stop fighting the Spirit's work in your life. Stop, stop fighting and ignoring that, that, that thought that God has given you to go sit with that person that you, you, you don't know or, or talk to that person that's having a bad day or offer to pray for somebody at school or step out in faith and encourage somebody. Don't ignore that, that thought that God gives you to serve somebody. Not to just be polite to somebody, but to serve somebody and then say, hey, I'm serving them because my Lord Jesus served me and he's called me to serve you and I love you and I care about you and I want you to know this Jesus because he's changed my life. Don't ignore that. You see, because the number one thing that stops our growth in holiness is me. It's me. It's me trying to ignore the Spirit's work. It's me trying to ignore what God is doing. But we see a promise in verse 24. He is faithful. He will surely do it. That's a promise that God is going to overcome my stubbornness. As I'm resisting the Spirit, God's going to overcome that. And if you've been in Jesus for any period of time, you can probably look back in your life where you're like trying to hold the Spirit at arm's length and God graciously overcame your stubbornness to soften your heart and to soften your desires um, to soften your desires for him and to, and to give you a love for Jesus that called you to move away and turn away from that sin. And so I just want to encourage you tonight not to resist that. Look, when we're focused on the Lord, the main concern of our life becomes growing in the Lord. The main concern. I'm talking like above family, above my friendships, above my grades. Like when we're genuinely following Jesus, he becomes the number one thing. My desire to get to know him is greater than anything else when I'm in Christ, when I'm dependent on Christ. He is faithful. He will do it. It's not, it's not all on your shoulders to grow in holiness because you can't grow in holiness. We need Christ. We need the gospel. Jesus dying and coming back to life shows us that we cannot be one with God. We need a Savior to cleanse us so that we can step into God's holiness and have that holiness radiate on us by the power of the Spirit so that we too can become holy, godly, Christ-like. And I tell you what, that purpose you're looking for, that longing for something extremely significant and for your life to mean something, that's where you'll find it. You'll find it in holiness. You'll find it in a pursuit of God that is nonstop. And so I just want to encourage you tonight to throw a rock on the gas of your pursuit of Christ. Do not ignore, don't pump the brakes in your faith anymore. Like, just go for it. Because if you, if you give yourself in that way to the Lord, He's going to do extravagant things because He is faithful and He will surely do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for um, 1 Thessalonians. This has been a good book for me. It's been a good book for me to see um, what you're up to. It's been a, 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 a re good reminder just to think about life with perspective of the return of Jesus and to live my, my now moments like Christ could come back at any moment. God, this has been such a good book, I think, for, for all of us.
to just wrestle with what your word has to say about some really challenging things. And so as we go in a group tonight, I pray that you would help us to see um, more of a picture of what our lives would look like if we surrender ourselves completely to you in faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.